Well, church, again, it's a blessing to worship with each and every one of you. And um, really excited to be here tonight and to open God's word with all of you. If you're taking down notes to talk, we're kind of just going to spend a few minutes looking at the word of God. And um, what we're going to be talking about tonight, the title of my message is Sleeping or Stressing. Sleeping or Stressing. And we're kind of going to talk on that for a few minutes together. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. The past couple of years here uh, at Calvary Vista have been amazing years. And I'm talking about probably 2018 and so far in 2019. God has just been doing a lot of amazing things here in our fellowship. And there's been a lot of uh, growth um, on our staff as a church, we've, we've welcomed in new staff members and they've acclimated and, and God's just been doing great things. Um, but there's also been a lot of tragedy and a lot of hardship at the same time. And there are a lot of members of our church that are really going through it, even as we speak. And I know that many of you are aware of this. I think of our, our very own pastor, Pastor Rob and his wife, Denise. I've certainly been through, uh, within the past two years, a very difficult season. Uh, I think of our precious uh, children, one of our precious children's ministry directors, Sherry Salvato, um, and many, many others. There's been great tragedy, trials, difficulty. There's been deaths in the family, uh, difficult diagnoses. Um, divorce. It's been hard. And tonight, what I want us to do together, and I'm not trying to be a downer, but what I want us to do is I want us to spend some time considering a moment, an instance in the, in the public ministry of Jesus that I believe speaks volumes into the situations and circumstances that we face in life, often the trials and the tribulations that we face. But I also want to look at this passage because I believe it speaks into the life of many of our church, our precious church members today. There are many precious men and women that are hurting. And there very well in this room tonight could be some of you here that are hurting and you're going through it. So in Mark 4, we're going to look at a story. Jesus and his disciples are on a boat. And if you've been in, in church for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard this story, Jesus rebuking the wind and the waves. That's what we're going to look at tonight. What I want us to do is I want us to take a look at this passage with a fresh perspective. Consider what it means for our church right now in this season. Because here in Mark chapter 4, we're going to see the disciples in a situation where their faith was tested, their hope was fleeting, and their lives were almost lost. And that might describe some of us here in the room tonight. You might be in a place tonight where you say, you know what, Pete? That's me. I'm barely hanging on. Maybe your family life feels like a storm. Maybe your work environment feels like a great storm, a tumultuous storm. I think tonight you're in the right place. Because I think what we're going to see is not only that the disciples' faith were tested, was tested, not only that their hope was fleeting, not only that their lives were almost lost, but tonight what we're going to see, and most importantly, is we're going to see how Jesus responds. 
And my prayer for us tonight is that we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus tonight. So if you would, would you bow our heads in a word of prayer and let us just ask, let us ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, we're here because as we were singing a few moments ago, Lord, it is, our, it is the deepest desire of our hearts as followers of Jesus that it would be your kingdom that would come and your will that would be done. Here, now, as in heaven. So Lord, would you impart your grace to our ears that we may leave this place having seen Jesus. Come Holy Spirit and open our eyes as we consider your word. And it's in Jesus' name, the name above all names, we pray. Amen. Sleeping or stressing. Let's pick it up here in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he, speaking of Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great wind storm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's a powerful passage of scripture tonight. There are five takeaways I want us to consider. Five takeaways. If you're taking down notes, the first one is this. What do we see in this passage? Number one, what do we see? We see a promise. Everyone say a promise. 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 First thing we see in this passage tonight is a promise. Look with me again in verse 35. It says this. On the same day when evening had come, he, speaking of Jesus, said to them, let us, what does he say? Let us cross over to the other side. Notice, Christ does not say to his precious disciples, come, let us perish in the lake, (laughs) right? He doesn't say to his disciples, let us drown to our very deaths. No, he promises them passage, let us cross over to the other side. What we see taking place here at the beginning of our story is that Christ has perfectly prepared his disciples for what they are going to face. He has given them a promise. The other side. And in our lives as believers, Christ often does the same for us. Preparing us. Shepherding us for the storms that we will face. God's promises are true. Amen? His promises are good because he is good. He is perfect. And our God is a God that promises to get us to the other side. 
in life. But listen, the process in which he chooses to do so may look nothing like we expect, right? That certainly was the case for the disciples here in Mark chapter 4. Jesus had promised them passage to the other side of the lake, but I'm sure they didn't expect the storm, right? Church, he sees where we've, he sees where we've been. He knows where we are, and he knows where we are going. Amen? We can take confidence in that tonight. I believe that the greatest storm that you and I could ever face, the greatest storm that we could ever face in life is the power of our own sin, right? Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And at the cross of Calvary, Jesus, Jesus Christ shouts the biggest rebuke towards sin. What does he say at the cross? It is finished. The greatest storm that you and I could ever face has already been rebuked by Jesus. Can I get an amen? The greatest storm we could ever face has already been rebuked by Christ. And at the cross, he says it is finished. And it is by faith that we receive this gift of grace and deliverance from the greatest storm we could ever face, our sin. And it is this deliverance from this storm of our sin that puts all other storms into perspective, doesn't it? Because when it all boils down to it, our God has promised to get us to the other side, speaking of eternity. He's promised to get us to the other side. And when the storms of life that take place here in the middle, in the in-between, take place, we can remember his promise. I think of Philippians 1.6. Oh, isn't this a precious promise, church? Being confident of this, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you, what does it say? Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is his promise to us, church. He is faithful. Our God is faithful. He is actively at work in you and through you. He's a God of promise. Second takeaway we see in this story is we see his promise. Number two, we see his presence. Everyone say his presence. Look at verses 36 through 38 with me again. Verse 36, it says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling I love this, but he was in the stern, (laughs) asleep on a pillow. All of this chaos is happening, and Mark records, but he was in in the stern. It's his presence. Christ was just as much in the middle of this storm as his disciples were. The most important part of this story that we're looking at tonight is that Christ was on the boat. Amen? And the most important part of our stories and our church's story is whether or not Christ is on the boat of our lives. 
His presence, God's presence, is a promise that he keeps to those that have put their faith in him. And it is his very presence that assures us of his providence, his sovereignty, that he's in control. It's his presence that assures us of of his protection, that, that he's with us, that he cares. And it's his very presence in our lives that assures us of his provision. Man, he's, he's there. He's good. He's with us. But tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment and just consider with me the contrast that's taking place on the boat. In this passage, we see two reactions to the storm, don't we? We see the disciples' reaction and we see Christ's reaction. And both of them are polar opposites of each other. Let's consider for a moment the disciples' reaction. What do we see them doing? Well, freaking out. Who can blame them? Now, they were fishermen. Much of them were. Many of them were fishermen. So they've traveled this route before, but they were stressing. One moment, they're smooth sailing. Jesus is asleep. They're headed to a new location. They've traveled this route several times. Can't you just taste the (laughs) self-confidence in the disciples. But within a moment, the peace is shattered and it all comes crashing down and a storm rises up. You know, I love what Charles Spurgeon says in commentary on this passage and on the reaction of the disciples. The quote's going to be on the screen. It's a long quote, so just hang with me. But he's a really good writer, so I'm going to read him because he's smarter than me. So here we go. He says this, we are often the same way Speaking of the disciples' reaction, we feel that we know the situation. We're experts on this one. And all we want Jesus to do is help us bail out our boat. Who's been there before in your life? Raise your hand. I have. (laughs) We want Jesus' help, but we want his help to work out our plan. Ooh. I am afraid, too, that we rely too much upon ourselves. Was it not Dr. Gordon, who when he lay dying, said that the secret of strength in faith faith in Christ was having no faith in ourselves. I am inclined to think that the secret of weak faith in God is our having a good deal of self-reliance. But when you cannot trust to yourselves, then you hang upon Christ and cling to him as your only hope. Then you give the grip of a sinking man and there is no hold like that one. I love that quote. We don't know what was going through the heads of the disciples in this moment. We don't know whether or not they were full of pride, but what we do know is that they panicked. They saw their lives flash before their eyes They feared an impending death, frustrated at the lack of help from Jesus. They were stressing. The second reaction we see is Christ's reaction. And what is his reaction? What was happening when the storm rose up? What was happening when the wind and waves were crashing against the boat, where death was just around the bend, when everyone was panicking? What do we see Jesus doing? Sleeping. Look, his sleep It wasn't only a sleep of weariness, but it was also the rest of faith. 
We know from the context here in Mark that Jesus had expended lots of energy ministering in that region. He was serving. He was expending energy. energy. But his rest upon the boat shows us something greater and deeper than the simple fact that he was tired. He was able to rest in the middle of the storm by faith in the Father's plan and confidence that he would get to the other side. Christ trusted the sovereignty and the sufficiency of his father to get him where he needed to go. You see, in life, amidst the storms of life, there are really only two options to how we can react as Christians following Jesus. And I'm not trying to be crass when I say this or to downplay a storm that you might be in, but I really believe there's two options in how we can react to a difficulty in a storm. I think it's a lot like riding a roller coaster. Is there anyone here that enjoys roller coasters? Anyone? Be honest. Wow. Not a lot of us. They kind of freak me out. But just consider for a moment. When you go to an amusement park, unless it's one of those amusement parks that like travels from town to town and set up like every other week and you're like, wow, is this like well built? <laughs> I don't go to those. Okay. If you do, Good luck. I mean, you know, Jim Gerhardt's here, and I wonder what Jim thinks when he sees the way they're constructing these things. But anyways, when you go to an amusement park like Six Flags or a Knott's Berry Farm or somewhere else, you know, you know that the engineering of that ride has been certified, right? I mean, you know that it's been checked. It's been tested. You know that if there were to be an issue with the operation of the roller coaster, that the amusement park, there would be massive liabilities. They would be in huge trouble. So you have two options when riding a roller coaster. Either you enjoy the thrill of the ride, or you white-knuckle it and scream your face off, thinking you're going to die. You enjoy the thrill of the ride and get your money's worth, or you white-knuckle it, grit your teeth, and scream as if something tragic was going to happen even though it really isn't. And look, in spiritual storms, in the storms that we might face as a church, we can panic in our flesh or we can rest in Jesus, in his promise, in his presence. We can stress out or we can sleep. Third thing we see tonight, we see a promise, we see his presence. Number three, we see a prayer. Look at verse 38 with me. But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing It's a prayer. I'm calling it a prayer. Do you not care? Some of you tonight may be in that very place. Lord, do you see me? Do you not care about what I'm going through? But notice, friends, it wasn't the wind. It wasn't the waves or the water spilling into the boat that woke Jesus from his sleep. No, it was the cry of his disciples. It was the cry of his disciples that woke Jesus from his sleep. 
It reminds me of Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, when we cry out, when we cry out to God, he hears. He's listening. And he is especially tuned in to the quote-unquote radio frequency of the cries of his children. He hears us. And I also want to share this, church. He's not afraid of your honesty. Do you know that? He already knows what you're thinking. (laughs) He's not afraid of your honesty. I look at the Psalms. What do we see of King David? I mean, honesty? A guy who is honest with his fears? A man that was honest before the Lord about what he was feeling? And we know that he was a man after God's own heart. Church, he's not afraid of your honesty. He isn't. The disciples say, do you not care? And it awakes Jesus from his sleep. You know, there is nothing on earth that will cause me to jump out of bed quicker than the sound of my son screaming from his room in distress in the middle of the night. You parents can relate, right? There is nothing that will make me jump out of bed than when I hear my son Liam say, Dada! Dada! Water! (laughs) (laughs) He says, wah, wah, (laughs) you know. There is no alarm clock. There is no wake-up call that will make me jump out of bed faster than hearing my son say, Dad. It's the same for us, church. We cry out, Dad, Daddy, Abba, I need you. Don't you care? He hears. And look, I'm a failure. I'm imperfect. I am not the perfect dad. So if that's how I react to my sons crying out for help, how much more is our perfect heavenly father quick to respond, quick to hear? Ah, it's beautiful. We see a promise. We see his presence. We see a prayer. Fourth, we see his power. Everyone say his power. Uh, Let's read verse 39 through 41. Then he, Jesus, arose, and what does he do? And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who? (laughs) I love this. Can you just picture your disciples right now amongst each other? Who is this? Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Our passage tonight tells us, that it was the cry of the disciples that woke Jesus from his sleep. And what does he do? He rises up and he rebukes. And look, there's a lot going on here. We could spend a long time talking about why Jesus is rebuking a storm. But we don't have time. So I'm going to keep it simple. Our passage tells us that Jesus rises and rebukes the storm. (laughs) I love this. The same voice that spoke creation's birth rebukes the storm. Oh, those, those waves and that wind, they knew his voice. There was no mistaking it. The very voice that spoke creation's birth silences the roar of this storm. 
Church, it's a simple truth, but oh, is this not one of the most comforting truths in all of scripture? Our God is powerful. I mean, he's powerful. I think of the children's song, my God is so great, so, so strong and so mighty. There is nothing my God cannot do. This is one of the greatest reminders for those of us facing a storm, God's power. The same voice that spoke creation's birth, the same voice that silenced the roar of the raging storm, friends, it gently sings over you. Did you know this? The same voice gently sings over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty, oh, I love this, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but, what does it say? Will rejoice over you with singing. Church, embrace his song tonight. Embrace his song over you tonight. We see a promise. We see his presence. We see a prayer. We see his power. Fifth and finally, we see his peace. Everyone say his peace. Verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, what does he say? Peace, be still. And what's the result? And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I love that. There was a great calm. The result of Christ's promise, presence, our prayerful plea, and his power is his peace. That is the result. Please understand and I really believe this. This story that we're looking at tonight is, is less about getting to the other side. I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you've heard it preached before. You know, God's going to get you to the other side tonight. Ah, I don't know. It's less about getting to the other side. It's really about, wow, look what happens when the king is in the room. That's what it's about. Wow, look what happens when the king is in the room. And I'm speaking of King Jesus. He is able to exceed our expectations, right? But he does so in his timing. Look what happens when the king is in the room. I believe not only that, but I believe that this story in Mark 4 points to a day when every wrong is made right, all things are made new, Storms are seized. The king of kings is enthroned and peace rules and reigns. Church, when the king is in the room, we are not overcome by the storm. We are not overwhelmed by the trial. No, we are more than conquerors when the king is in the room. When the king is in the boat, when the king is in our hearts. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, can I get an amen? Ah, nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. No trial, no test, no storm, nothing. You know, this morning we were, as a staff, we were in Steve's office. We were praying for tonight. And one of, the, uh, one of our staff members was praying a prayer for tonight. And I really believe it was, a, I honestly believe it was a word from the Lord for tonight. And I grabbed, you know, grabbed my phone. I wrote it down in my notes because I just felt like the Spirit was whispering in my heart that there, this is a word for tonight. And I just want to share it with you. Maybe this is you tonight. But that it's the idea that there are those of us, you know, maybe here who hope and believe in Jesus. I mean, we hope and we believe in him. But struggle with knowing that he is inclined to us, that he cares, and that he knows what we're going through. There are those of us here, our faith is in Jesus. I mean, we're, we are hoping, I mean, we recognize him as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, but we're struggling with the idea of knowing that his ear is inclined to us, that he knows us, and that he cares. Church, Hebrews describes Christ as our sympathetic high priest, amen, who is able, he's, I mean, wow, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, he knows. He's not afraid of our weakness. No, he sympathizes with it. I want to close with this final verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He cares about you, church. When we're in a storm, we can trust that his promises are true, that we have his presence, that he hears us when we cry, that he is able, that he is powerful, he's able to do more than we could ever imagine or think, and that his peace, oh, his peace, is a peace that surpasses all understanding. His peace does not come from understanding. It surpasses it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to invite Aaron to close in prayer. And what, we have an opportunity tonight to partake of communion, and this is self-serve. And so this is a moment for you, church, as individuals to meet with, with Jesus and to remember him. Remember what he's done. Remember that he has freed you from the greatest storm that you could ever face in life which is the power of your sin. He sets you free from that. And then we're, gonna sing a couple, we're just going to sing a couple songs and then we're going to spend some time waiting on the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here. We acknowledge that you, by your spirit, you're here. And we open up our hearts to you in gratitude and adoration, thanking you that you are our king who loves us. And Father, as we 
head into this time of waiting upon you and communion and singing your, your praises and remembering your promises, I pray that you would invade our hearts, that you would be on the throne of our hearts, and that we would give you free access to every part of us. Lord, we remember your sacrifice. We remember you and your character of love. And we see you and what you've done on the cross, and we respond in humility and surrender and thanksgiving. Thank you for your body that was beaten up for us and your blood that was poured out for the sins of humanity, your blood that it washes over and sanctifies and continually sets us apart for your glory. Lord, we remember as we take these elements of your heart for us. And Lord, may we be able to articulate the praises that you deserve. I know that words fall short, but with every piece of us, even in our weakness, we give you thanks. And in this time, may we see you clearer and hear your voice even stronger. We love you, Lord, and we're open to whatever you want to do in us and through us for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and say, amen.